<laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 137 of the Startcast, Press Start Australia's weekly video game discussion podcast. I'm your host, Ewan Roxburgh, and I'm joined today by my fellow gamers, James. Hello. And Brody. Hello. Uh, now, Brody, I'm not going to ask you about Infinity War because you've seen it and I don't want to I don't want to know. I've not seen anything yet. I don't think James even cares about it, but... That is correct. Absolutely. He does not. <laughs> I don't understand how you don't care about Marvel films. Like I have enough. They're just pervasive. I, just, to I have culture enough nowadays. to do with my time. Sorry. I, I ha- barely. Admittedly. Get, yeah. I don't know. If Annihilation. Admittedly. Wasn't on Netflix. I probably wouldn't have seen it by now. <laughs> like it's just. Eat, yeah. I don't know. Admittedly. I don't. I don't really care about Marvel movies either. I'm just seeing it because it's like the pop culture staple. Like you have to see it. Like. Yeah. You know? I mean, te- yeah. good, though. I mean, I saw Age of Ultron, and technically, if I saw this, that would be like Avengers three, right? <laughs> I know it's not the same thing, but um, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, this is, is the third. It, it is Avengers three. It is Avengers yeah. three. That's what I know. But like, so much has happened in the other movies, you know, like. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't they, just watch they, the Avengers films. No, I know no, they catch they they catch you up. It's okay. Avengers two was where I stopped, so that's how far behind I am. Just so you know, you're a whole phase behind. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait. I'm gonna go. Gotta go and see it this weekend. I think I'm seeing it. But I'm just not like 100 percent sure when because friends are difficult. Um, but Brody, as the uh, proud new owner of a PS4 Pro and God of War, I will ask you: Are you enjoying God of War? I am. I am very much. Um, I honestly, oh, since the last time I was on, I haven't really made any progress. Right. Since that point, because I've been kind of busy and I haven't had a chance to play it as much. You're only like a couple of hours in, weren't you? Yeah, and so I was playing it on through means that meant I couldn't play on my account. So since uh-huh. getting the since getting the pro and my own copy of God of War, so I've sort of started again, and I haven't got up to the same point that I was at yet. So I'm yeah, I've basically played the first couple of hours twice now. But that is kind of like a difficulty when you're like previewing games. I wish you could take your save data from like the preview that you play, like onto. I know, like, your situation was a bit different, but there's so often, like, we'll go to mm. events and stuff, and we'll play, like, two hours, like, the first two hours of a game that's kind of then released a month later, and you've got to play through those two hours. First world problems, I know, but... Yeah. But yeah. no, but luckily for God of War, the first two hours are, are pretty banging, so I was happy to play it again. Yeah. yeah. I'm probably only, like, a three or four hours into it. Um, I don't want to say too much, because I know it's a game, kind of in the way that people are, like, really sensitive about um, spoilers from Dark Souls. People are sort of treating God of War the same sort of way. Um, but uh, I've sort of like kind of come up to my f- second or third of like most serious boss, I think. Kind of leaving, you go to a different. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to say too much anyhow. But um, <laughs> it, it, it I'm really enjoying it. The second, it. it took playing it the second time, though, to realize that uh, like Jeremy Davies is in it. And that's an actor I haven't seen for a while. Jeremy Davies? Um, Who's Jeremy Davies? Yeah, yeah, he was in Lost, like which is um, anyone that knows anything about me knows that I like uh-huh. Lost. Uh-huh. But um That's yeah, crazy, so he was a character. Okay. Who was he huh? in Lost? He was Daniel Faraday. Oh, him. Right. Yeah, and he's he's like the stranger. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know who you mean. Who and he's he- in he's in Justified as well. Okay. Right. TV TV show called Justified, yeah. Yeah. yeah and I've been like what's he been doing lately? And now I know. So, yeah, Jeremy go. Davies, everybody. Look there him up. Uh, and have you been playing God of War 2, James? I have. I feel like I've not. I've been a bit late to the party, though, but based on what you guys are saying, I'm not. I might even be further. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I Yeah, so I, I 
struggled to get through it for the first few hours. Like, I just had to kind of keep taking breaks. I don't really know why. It just wasn't really grabbing me. Um, yeah. Where I left it was where I got my first side quest and it opens up a bit more. Like, you're in, like, a big lake. I don't know if that's spoilery yeah. or not. You know what I'm talking about, though? I know what you mean, yeah. Yes. <clears throat> um, where you see, like, a big statue and then something happens later. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. So, that point. So, not very far at all. Um Okay, I'm yeah. beyond that bit. You're past that. Okay, yeah. So I, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm trying to do as much as I can. So I was exploring that area quite a bit, and then I had to go to work. So the ne- the next day, so I went to bed responsibly. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I think it's good. Like it's really good, but I just want to buy everything. Like I want to have all the upgrades and all the combat stuff, so I can kind of like you know dive into the combat system because I kind of feel like I'm relying on the same two combos at the moment, and that's a yeah. bit boring. You know? Yeah, there was a few sort of things that, like, I had to kind of get to grips with with the combat because, um, like, if you kind of time... In the earlier stages of the game, you can kind of, like, block with your shield and that kind of slows everything down. And I'm like, okay, surely there's going to be some way I can, like, counterattack here. Um, but then it wasn't until later I realized that, like, a counterattack is an ability that you lock unlock later on. So it's kind of like... I found that a bit kind of disjointed, and I, oh, I was kind of kind of lost as to like where you kind of upgrade and so you I don't get know, everything. You get a counter later on. Well, uh, you just I know have you to can... have the skill points for it, so you right. can if you I, want. Yeah. It could be like your first or second upgrade that you get. But I, it kind of like throws you towards the equipment um, to begin with. So I thought like all the progression was sort of like handled via your equipment. Like like I guess kind of I, I mean I've not played a tr- tremendous amount of the Souls games, but. Um, my understanding of the Souls games is it's largely through like the weapons that you have and and your armor and stuff like that. Um, and so I thought it was kind of like a similar in a similar sort of vein. So I was like trying to get uh, the the money that you need to like upgrade your armor and collect all the resources and stuff. And then I was then I scanned across the skill tree. I'm like, oh, I have a bunch of skill points that I could be using to get all these awesome new attacks. And so that really kind of opened the game up for me a lot more. Um, but I think th- I, I had like all the tutorials turned on and I think I might have just been like skimming through a lot of it because it does throw a lot of information your way um, and I might just got a bit overwhelmed and missed that. So no, I think it, I think it doesn't at the same time though. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's so much to kind of take in, like you were saying. Yeah. And, there's um, a lot mechanically, isn't there? And that? even just like in terms of the, the currency, like so you've got experience but then you've got like world serpent scale fragments and then you've got like soft cloth yeah. and then like hard cloth and then the the metal, whatever it's called, the main one. Um, mm. And I'm just like, oh, I just want to like buy one thing but then some yeah. some stuff feeds into other stuff. So I guess you, you – I don't feel like there's a way you can like – like reliably buy everything without foregoing something else, which I get. That's probably what they want you to do. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. And I, I like I, it's Horizon Zero Dawn, for instance, throws like a bunch of different resources at you to begin with, and it, it's overwhelming at start at, at the start, I guess. But like the longer you spend in that world, the more sense it makes. That got manageable. Um, yeah, I don't. I just, it did. I can't see this becoming manageable, but maybe it will be. You know. Yeah, I think it's still early days. I think it'll get more manageable as time goes on. But I'm I'm really I'm really enjoying it. Um, obviously, like I'm already kind of prepping myself for comparisons to The Last of Us because it's Metacritic score. I think I sat on the same same number at the moment. Um, and obviously, if you've listened to the podcast, you know how obsessed with The Last of Us that I am. Um, and I will say that it's not like quite got its hooks into me as 
as much as The Last of Us did. Um, I think The Last of Us is like one of the best, like has one of the best openings to any game ever. Um, and God of War does a really good job. And I think it is a very different game um, as well. Um, but I'm, I'm just, I'm finding myself like wanting to go back and play more of it. And I've just not had the time. It's been really frustrating. I think like but, what, one thing is like, like a hundred percent, like definitely sold on is the way they kind of bring Norse mythology like to life. Um, yeah, all the environments, all the like the look, the vibe, everything just yeah. feels like really perfect, really on point. Um, yeah, yeah, like the visually, like in terms of presentation, just looks phenomenal. And I've seen some yeah. screenshots from later parts of the game from Shannon before, and it just looks like it just keeps going and keeps becoming more interesting. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love the way that it all kind of like just flows on consistently, right? Like it's like that never non-breaking cinematic approach. Um, I forget what they call it, but you know, like cutscene transitions into gameplay, like, gameplay transitions to cutscene. Like it's like one take. Like Bird, um, Birdman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think that works like works really, really well. Um, it just thoroughly engages in your story. I think it's very paced very well too. Like at the moment I find myself itching for some combats. Combat is there. And then at the very moment, I feel like the combat is kind of getting a bit repetitive. It kind of breaks into more of a story or like suddenly there'll be a puzzle solving element kind of like thrown at you. Um, I think it's really kind of well designed. Uh, that's um, talking about it now. Thing... It just wants me to play more of it. <laughs> I'll say that's that's one thing. I also uh, someone tweeted. I can't remember who tweeted it, but they made a good point. Yeah, is that I think it might have even been Shinobi, uh, that uh, the dude from mm-hmm. you know the from internet. Twitter. Great account. You should follow him. Yeah, yeah. Um, he made the point that in a lot of games like this, the plots will like the main central plot will be like, oh, this is a urgent world ending threat, and yeah. then that will kind of be sort of sort of offset by you going off and doing all these side quests. Yeah. But God of War does it well, whereas where the goal is obviously to get to the mountain. Uh-huh. But it's there's no urgency about that. Like that that's the journey in itself and there's no rush. Yeah. And so and so all the things you encounter on along the way feel really organic. So like I th- I feel like the pacing in that sense is is really good. Yeah. And this and it's constantly questioning like whether or not I suppose you're ready and um uh, Atreus is ready as well. So like everything you feel, everything you do feels like you're preparing for what's next, right? Um, yeah. I'm really digging it. And I had my first kind of moment where I sort of connected with it emotionally. Um, I mean, it invites you to do that very early, but it didn't quite hit this, the right note with me. Um, but about, there's a specific moment and I don't want to just describe what it is, but um, a couple hours into the game, there was this moment that eventually hit me and I was like, okay, yeah, I can see this game is doing something really special and I'm like hmm. thoroughly, like properly invested in this story and curious this character's now. You mean. Yeah, uh, we can talk about it off air if you if you want, but um, sure. I'm I'm kind of cautious. This game's only been out for a week. I want to give people some time with it. I'm not all that far through to it. Um, I know people are already finishing it, so yeah. I'm envious. <laughs> um, but uh, speaking of games people care about, people seem to really care about Switch games. Uh, Nintendo has today announced uh, it's in its fourth quarter report that Nintendo Switch has sold uh, 17.79 million units in just over a year, uh, which is now obviously way more than the Wii U, which sold 13.56 million in its lifetime. So what's that? Like uh, uh, over 4 million... F- yeah, f- over 4 million units already. Um, more. Uh, Super, Mar- Super Mario Odyssey has now sold over 10 million units, whilst Mario Kart 8 has sold over 9 million units, um, when the Wii U version of Mario Kart 8 only sold 8.42 million units. So it's already sold 500,000 more 
uh, units of that, which is pretty crazy. Um, James, you, I'm sure you've got an answer to this rather tough question, but why do games just sell so well on the Switch? I think that they've sold more Switches, um, so that obviously helps. Um, mm-hmm. They've sold more Switches to a wider variety of people, so that also helps because um, everybody... Before with the Wii U, like, you know, they would put out a game that would maybe only appeal to, what, 30 to 40% of the people who bought a Wii U. So, like, Wii Sports Club or Wii Fit U. Um, whereas now, I feel like every game that Nintendo puts out as on a first-party level, um, you know, has quite a wide appeal. Like, Mario, everybody can play, pick up and play Mario Odyssey. Um, everyone can pick up and play Zelda. Um, mm. Like I said as well, like, a few podcasts ago, Switch is kind of... <clears throat> captured that lapsed gamer and I feel like those people just want keep wanting more and more Nintendo stuff so it just makes sense that every game they put out everyone's going to buy um, yeah I also feel like you know Nintendo's never really had a problem with attach rates it's always been a really solid thing that they've done um, people who buy a console tend to buy almost all the first party output for Nintendo um, uh-huh. and that obviously helps too and when the, the first party games are of so such high quality as well, yeah, like that also Mario helps. Odyssey and yeah. Zelda, very critically well received games. Um, I think just quickly, like it's a quite a constant stream of games as well. So the people who bought a Wii U and then maybe traded it in for something else six months down the track are buying a Switch and keeping it um, yeah. because Nintendo's kept putting out those games and made them remember why they need to have a Switch. Um, and obviously, yeah. third party helps to fill those gaps too. Yeah. All very good points. Um, Brody, do you think there's something to be said about the, the portability of the Switch? I was kind of wondering, like, maybe people are kind of getting through games easier um, or having, like, more opportunity to play games, really, because it is something that they can take uh, traveling with them. It's something they can take on the bus with them to and from work or whatever. Do you think that's got anything to do with people buying and playing more games on it? I think it would have to, yeah. I mean... I've gone on record as saying that I'm not really that much of a handheld gamer and I don't personally take my Switch uh, on the road because I don't really travel on public transport or anything like that, so I don't get the opportunity to play it. Mm. But um, I think for sure that like uh, people being able to take it on the bus or on the train on their way to work or you know on the way to like the footy or something like that gives them a good opportunity to finish like Nintendo games outside of the house. Yeah. So like that, if, if, if you say have a switch and an Xbox or something like that, or a switch and a PlayStation, I think it'd be a good balance to sort of be able to play your Nintendo games on the road and then sort of get home and play God of War, which you can only play like in front of a big 4k TV or something like that. Yeah. So that's totally the experience that I'm having. Like I sort of go to the switch a, for those first party games. I was playing Odyssey just today. Like while I was sat in the car waiting, um, for a mate and, uh, (laughs) And Go all on. those kind of like those indie games too that I wouldn't necessarily like find the time to sit down with and home uh, and play on home on my big screen because I'm too busy playing, you know, like AAA games like God of War or whatever. Um, but it's something very sort of easy and consumable on the go um, wherever that may be. Um, we've talked about this before, but I think like the, the Switch kind of fills that same sort of purpose that the Vita did for me for so long as well. Um, I'm really digging it. Really do, you, uh, do you double up on a lot of games on, on the Switch? 
Uh, I've not yet. Um, I've been tempted to, though, because uh, um, my mum actually has been playing Skyrim recently. Um, she's, like, right. fallen head over heels in love with it. And I've uh, watched a bit of her playing that, and I was like, I, I never, like, finished the main quest line in Skyrim. I got so caught up in, like, side quests and stuff that I, despite playing it for, like, God knows however many hours, I never actually mm. did that. And I was like, maybe I could... It was on sale on the Switch, and I was like, maybe I'll pick it up on there and I'll try and play through it. Um but yeah, I've been tempted to do that. Speaking of games you might double up on on the Switch. Yeah, yeah, speaking of which. The developers of Firewatch, as you may know, uh-huh. uh, Campos Santos, are uh, joining Valve. So uh, it was announced this week that their 12-person studio has been acquired by Valve. Uh-huh. Uh, their next game, In the Valley of Gods, which I'm not sure what that is. Have they said much about that? Uh, I don't know much about it, no. Um, I don't know if they've even released like a teaser trailer or something. I yeah, feel like right. they have, well, but I can't remember it now. says here it was announced last year. Yeah. Uh, and it's still going to be released, but it's going to be released as a Valve game. So I guess they're publishing? Uh, yes, I assume so. Yeah. I, you've done well, Brody. I like spontaneously made you the host for a second there. Cause hey, you, that's okay. You took over my segue duty. Um, in the Valley, no, just, the just quickly, like, In the Valley of the Gods is basically, like, I, I want to say it's like Firewatch, but in 1920s Egypt. Um, yes. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I know, there's definitely a trailer for this. I've definitely seen a trailer for this. I think this that was teased at E3, maybe? No, 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 no. The Game Awards. It was teased at the Game Awards. I hope I'm getting this right. If Look, I'm I don't right, remember. That was the best I could do in a, in a blind, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking it up now. Uh, yes, In the Valley of Gods, the next game for Firewatch was announced tonight during the Game Awards. Go mm. me. Uh, I'm so excited for this, but what do you think that, does this mean for Campo Santo, um, James? Well, like, is, is this a, a big deal for them? Are you surprised by this move at all? Um, it's obviously a big deal, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't really follow Valve. I know they haven't... Have they made a game for a while like I don't think they have um, other than like updating like Dota and and they had that card game like Architect is that what it's called I have no idea like they've got their own like oof, oh, I don't even know what you compare it to like it's like a card combat game is it like Hearthstone or something or Hand of Fate or something I, I don't know I don't know it's I'm, not familiar I know nothing about it I just like like I like the last time I remember Valve buying somebody is didn't they buy the guys who made Left for Dead and like since then they haven't really done anything <laughs> like i don't yeah they so i mean they like, stepped, they bowed out of games the game development like um a fair amount i don't know when their last like developed game i'm i'm looking this up now um came out because i mean obviously like steam has just been rolling in cash for them um but uh my ne- i mean my next question was going to be like what what does this mean for valve like does this mean that we're gonna expect more kind of game development from them do you think like are they going to get back into the days of releasing single player experiences sorry uh artifact is the game i was talking about it's artifact, a di- okay. d- digital collectible card game developed and published by valve right cool so uh, no no one cares no <laughs> Um, I, yeah, okay, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, Artifact was released uh, last year on PC. It's coming out next year on... Sorry, no, it's coming out this year on PC platforms uh, and next year on iOS and Android. This is like the like smoothest th- podcast segment we've ever done. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I know. This is all <laughs> over the place. Um, um, I, I just think, like, if they're buying studios... That's a good thing, right? Like, it means they kind of want to get more serious about making stuff. Like, you don't buy a studio like this to kind of work on Steam features or something, you know? Like, it's it's more to do with the games, I would hope. Hmm. 
I love that people yeah. put so much trust in Valve, like when it comes to buying studios, but when EA do it, they're like trying to burn down the industry. <laughs> like I mean, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's just all branding. Just, I guess really. EA, it's just, Valve doesn't have a history of shuttering studios after putting them on, you know, suicide projects, but... Um, not yet. Not yet. Um, yeah, it's, it's just really weird. It's just annoying so, that I have to have a PC to play this game now as well. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, there's no word yet not whether or not it's going to come to consoles yet. Um, <clears throat> hopefully it does. I, I'm hoping like that see, Campo Santo like negotiated sort of, the, yeah. con- like, the details of the contract quite carefully. Um, I'm looking at the releases now. So Artifact we mentioned. Prior to that, they released a virtual reality game for the Vive uh in 2016 which had like mini games mostly sort of like centered around portal um there was like a left for dead arcade game they released in 2014 mm. um a counter-strike zombies kind of mode released in 2014 on Wimbo- windows which was a free-to-play sort of thing um then counter-strike online 2 back in 2013 dota 2 in 2013 so They've been pretty quiet for a long time, and most of these have been sort of playing into their multiplayer uh, side of things. Um, what do you think Campo Santo kind of get out of this opportunity? Like, do they have, like, I don't know. Like, are they, do you expect them to sort of like grow as a dev team, kind of get more resources thrown their way, or is it just going to be kind of that publishing arm that they're sort of getting leveraging? I was like, I was watching a like a documentary recently about Rare and how when they got bought by Microsoft, they did it because it meant that you know they've got Microsoft backing them regardless. Like I feel like with they felt like if they kept making games, they would kind of be at the mercy of whether or not their games would sell. Whereas when if they had Microsoft owning them, they would um, have you know more of a chance if there were failings and stuff. And I feel like uh. with Campus Santos, like they would have I guess more security. Like let's just say their next game bombs, um, they could still probably, like the 12 people who work there, could still probably be, have job security and be folded into work for Valve somehow. Yeah. Um, that's I, that's the only reason I could think of like why you would want to sign with someone like Valve who mm. have a pretty good big reputation of not making games, you know? Yeah, I'm... I don't know. I don't quite know how I feel about this. Like, um, I think it's exciting to see, because obviously I'm a massive fan of Firewatch as well. Um, and I th- I think these guys are incredibly, incredibly talented. Uh, but I kind of liked the sort of real indie sort of mentality about it. Um, and I, I think what made Firewatch so special is it was really quite an adventurous sort of game. And I don't know, like had that been an Activision or an EA-published game, if it would have been able to sort of go about it in the way that it did. Um, that being said, I think Valve are people that sort of respect that. Um, if, you know, assuming Half-Life 3 is like a thing that they wor- they are working on, which I'm not, I'm doubtful that they are. Um, but like, they, mm. they seem to kind of like take their time with the game and sort of make the game that they want to, make and not sort of rush it out or like feel kind of pressured to meet a deadline or whatever uh and i hope they they sort of have the same expectation with campo santo um i suspect they will i suspect they will sort of leave them to their own sort of devices but give them the sort of resources that they sort of may need and make them not so reliant on uh i don't know I, they're probably pretty well set up after firewatch anyhow um yeah for but sure. I, i'm kind of optimistic i just I, it's it's nice to see them growing and moving on up in the world um and uh, i like that it's not impeded in the release of their next game as well from uh, a from a and like from a perspective of like 
the perception of Valve at the moment, I guess, as well. It's mm. it's encouraging to see them backing, like, narrative-driven single-player games. Yeah. Like, though they're not developing them themselves, it's good to see that they're, you know, still interested in them in some way. Yeah. So yeah. it sort of gives you that hope that, you know, you know, you might get another Portal, might get another Half-Life or something, cross fingers, but... No, never, no, never say never. Yeah, and we had God of War top the charts uh, here in Australia in the last week as well. So people clearly still care about single player experiences. Um, Definitely, Rise like was in the top ten. So yeah, that's what right. was the deal with that? I don't know. I can't X- work it Xbox's, out. Xbox's very own neck. It's iconic. <clears throat> was it up Everyone for like a sale for like a dollar on on the Xbox I, store or something? I don't how dare you? That's a complete <laughs> package too. Like single player, multiplayer. Who doesn't? And they supported that game, man. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a multiplayer bang for, for rice. Yeah, there was. Oh, it was actually quite bang for buck. That bad, to be honest. But it's like gladiatorial combat, man. It's the you best. can like push people into spikes and <laughs> amazing. I could get behind gladiator, gladiatorial, gladiatorial, gladiatorial. What was that word you said, Brody? <laughs> gladiatorial I, combat. Gladiatorial <laughs> combat. I could get behind that. One of my favorite PS2 games was um, that chariot racing one. What was it called? It was good. Gladius. Shadow of Rome. <laughs> No, no, I need to dig it up in the PS2 collection. It was good. <laughs> I can't remember what it was called, though. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> anyway. we play a game all about guessing the names of games. Uh, it's called What the Wiki, and it is the Starcast Game Show where the host reads part of a Wikipedia page from an unknown game, and you, the contestants, must guess the game. Uh, last week, Stephen, James, Stephen and James battled it out, uh, and Stephen cleaned up to earn his first poison of the season. That is uh, thank, That summary comes the way of James Penning, Jamie Penning sorry, over on Twitter. Um, by the way, Jamie Penning, I have a bone to pick with you, sir. Because in your, I notice in your Twitter bio that you have an unofficial like scorekeeper for what the wiki. I very deliberately call you the official keeper of the score. Okay, I want it rephrased as the official keeper of the score. Take note. Um, but one thanks again, <laughs> once again, thanks to a friend of the show, Jamie Penning, over on Twitter for suggesting today's first game. Berate uh, the poor guy. <laughs> a reminder, if you want to suggest a game, slide into my DMs over on Twitter. He knows that I'm just joking. <clears throat> we have fun. Uh, so, contestants, if you're ready, I will read you the first game. Sure. Yes. The game is a kart-style racing video game based on an American animated comedy series. Mm. The game was developed by Tantalus Interactive and was the last to be published by Acclaim Entertainment near the end of the third season of the show for the PlayStation in 1999, which was later ported to Microsoft Windows in 1999 for North America and in 2000 for Europe and for the Nintendo 64 and Dreamcast in 2000. James. Oh, is it South Park Rally? It is South Park Rally. Did Jamie submit that? Yeah. That was Jamie's oh, submission. Yeah. because South yeah. Park came out on the Switch, right? This week. Because uh, South Park came out on the Switch, yeah. Yes. <laughs> well oh, done. You, uh, yeah. I would give you bonus points if there was such a thing. Yeah, um, that's fine. Unfortunately, there's not. But you can <laughs> have imaginary bonus points, I guess. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, you gave, I'm impressed. What, what gave it away? Um... Seasons. Seasons, okay. You talked about seasons. Are you a South Park fan? I was a South Park fan. I was a South Park Rally fan. And and the only reason I guessed it was because I knew, I know that Jamie likes to, you know, match it up with something. And I know South Park came out this week. Yeah. He is, he is very good at doing that. Yeah. Uh, well, you totally guessed it, and you are off the mark. Reminder that it is the best two of three. Uh, so James just needs to guess one of the next two, and he has bagged the points for today's, today's game. I feel so accomplished. 
<laughs> you, I'm impressed. Jamie has developed a reputation for picking quite challenging games. Yeah, you I got think onto I've, that one quickest yeah, of any I've, of his suggestions. I, I think, think I've synced with him now, so yeah, <laughs> you've got to change it up. Uh, okay, and I just as a bit of a clue, I guess, as to the next few games, I have taken Jamie's a suggestion and sort of developed a bit of a theme for the three games today. Mm, are they so all South Park games? Be a clue. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's, I'm going to stab that in the button now. Uh, okay, next game. The game is a 2003 video game based on the animated series of the same name developed by Heavy Iron Studios, AWE Games, and Vicarious Visions and published by THQ. Mm. The game was released for the PlayStation 2, Game Boy Advance, Xbox, and Nintendo GameCube consoles as well as a port for Microsoft Windows. The Microsoft Windows version of the game is a point-and-click adventure, whereas the sixth-generation consoles received a 3D platformer. The Game Boy Advance version received a 2D platformer. All versions of the game feature an original storyline in which the player attempts to defend Bikini Bottom from an invasion of robots created by Plankton with a machine called the Duplicatron 3000. Playing as the titular character in all versions, as well as Patrick and Sandy in the console versions. I know it. I just can't remember the subtitle. The yeah, game neither. was released <laughs> on October 21, 2003 in North America and Europe in 2000, in, and on November 28, 2003. The game received mixed and average reviews. Edge Magazine, however, later included the PlayStation 2 and Game Boy Advance versions on its lists for the top video games of the 21st century. I had this game. What is it called? <laughs> uh, so we know it's a SpongeBob SquarePants game. Yeah, Brody. Brody. Is it SpongeBob SquarePants? It's something something Bikini Bottom. Yes. Is it uh, SpongeBob SquarePants? Is it Battle for Bikini Bottom? It is Battle for Bikini Bottom. Well done, Brody. Good one. <laughs> Man, that was a good game. It was <laughs> a really good them. game. One of my favorite childhood games. That game. Really. So it's all it's all it's all going to be games based off TV shows, animated TV shows. Perhaps so. I hate uh, you know, okay. tiebreakers. They're so stressful. Tiebreaker, and it, <sighs> I think you might have to get onto the buzzer quite quickly for this one. My hands, my hands are sweaty. So strap yourselves in. The game is an action-adventure video game based on an American animated sitcom developed by Radical Entertainment and published by Vivendi Universal Games. It was released in 2003, again, uh, for the GameCube, PlayStation 2, Xbox, and Microsoft Windows. The story and dialogue were crafted by writers from the show, with all characters' voiced, voices supplied by the cast. Brody. Brody. I, I've got nothing to go on here, but I'm just going to take a guess. So, okay. congratulations, James, because I'm not going to get this. <laughs> I'm going to say... Simpsons Hit and Run. It is Simpsons Hit and Run. Well done, Brody. <laughs> <laughs> I, what the yeah, fuck? There are many games. It was like <laughs> around that time, all of the voices yeah, applied by the cast. Yeah. I thought 2003. I thought that's about the time. Because I thought the last one was Simpsons Hit and Run for a second. Right, These okay. Flukes have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It was the Battle of the Giants today, but Brody, you bagged the point. So you've uh, really cemented that lead now. Um, I think every week me and James are on, he always gets Jamie's game. And then I just back it up, back it up. (laughs) (laughs) You uh, Maybe whilst uh, James is operating on Jamie's wavelength, you're operating on mine. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, three, uh, three. Uh, actually, I can't speak to South Park rightly, but Battlefield Bikini Bottom and obviously Simpsons Hit and Run, uh, awesome games. Um, mm. I saw someone like there was like a meme circulating on Twitter <laughs> about the need to to remaster Simpsons Hit and Run, and I couldn't just not a, get behind mm. that more. 
Simpsons didn't run not a good game, James? No, no. No, it is. No, I was, I was annoyed more, that I lost. More, hmm. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Well, with that, let's bring an end to what was episode 137 of this podcast. Subscribe to us on Podcast One, iTunes, any other podcast service of your choice. Follow us at press.com. Sorry, press.au and visit the site at press.com.au. Uh, you can also join the conversations, tweet us, topic suggestions, or what the wiki suggestions using hashtag the startcast. We've been joined today by James. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, um, normal place, uh, at James, so A-T-J-A-M-Z. James with a Z. Uh, and also joining us today and taking home the points was Brody. Thank you. You can follow me on most socials at Brody underscore DG. Uh, and I have been your host, Ewan Roxburgh. You can follow me on Twitter at Ewan underscore Roxburgh. Uh, and until next time, happy gaming. See you. Bye. Bye.